time. It's uh, Tuesday evening. I'm going to try to do the cinnamon bonum today. The reason I'm packing in is because I said I have to go to Florida in the weekend, so I won't be have time. And second of all, it is my hope. Uh, I was asked by someone to do something on Purim, and I have to clear the decks in order to be able to think through and, and, and speak out uh, something on Purim, <coughs> uh, negated to Purim. So, right now, I'm turning my attention to the Summum Bonum, as always sponsored by Mishpachas Stefanski. If you're interested in always exploring the outer limits. And um, the Ramban, I always say, is very, uh, to my mind, you're twisted and confusing in his style of presentation. Confusing to me, not to him. And it's always an interesting combination. You got the rational, you got the anti rational, you got the mystical. You never know where he's going to go. The Rambam, you know, is, is going to say, listen, I don't believe in ghosts. But the Rambam, you know, sometimes they'll say that and sometimes they'll say the opposite. So last time I was talking about the definition of Gehenna, which he said involves a pain. Not like the Rambam who said, listen, the goof is already gone and all Neshem is left. And there's nothing physical over there. And so um, there is pleasure, but no pain. The The punishment of the wicked is that they don't get into the pleasure palace. They don't get into the good world in, in, in the Olam HaNashamas. So, as I pointed out, the Ramban and others, many others, don't like that because you basically get off scot-free. Like I say, I don't want to say, I, I don't want to say that Hitler shot himself in the end of the war. Therefore, nothing happened to him afterwards. He turned out the lights. It was all over. Uh, the Ramban and many others say, you know, that's not fair. Getting God has to be fair. And by fair, we mean if you did something wrong, you got to pay the price. There is hard, but there's also onish. And the onish should be a gesunta onish. Not just, you know, uh, you're not invited to the party, so to speak. Uh, and the Ramban uh, takes a lot of Gemaras that the Rambam would, uh, you know, allegorize. And he does not. He is in principle opposed to the consistent allegorization of all the Agatitas. Sometimes the Ramban does it too. I tell you, that's why he's confusing. You never know where he's going. But a lot of times they'll say, if it says this, it means it. It may not mean it in a literal sense, but it doesn't mean it in a completely philosophical sense either. Because when something is meant in a philosophical sense, that's a fancy way of saying it's not really true. It's true in, in, in the lesson that it gives, but not in the in the detail. The Ramban does not like that. He considers that very insulting to the Torah, to Ghazal, and all the rest of it. So, as I said last time, since they talk so much about burning in hell, so that must take place. In a Konami, it's not a regular fire, you know, as he said, but um, some kind of a fire, a dachyistic, a, a very thin, that is to say, ethereal kind of fire uh, there is, and one that can, in its own way, you know, burn in the Shama or something like that, even though it seems to us that, you know, the Neshama has only a, a completely non-physical, completely non-physical existence. I talked about this last time. Uh, so now the Ramban, I would like to pursue this because if you don't go through the Ramban consistently, you kind of skip around, you get the wrong picture, in my opinion. And so we'll work our way to Olam Haba and the Moshe Mashiach and all the rest of it. But what happens to the sinners? So... It's a, the Ramban is a great, uh, Mokobo mystic. And, uh, 
stuff you find in Ramban, you find like in the Rizal, Kaimbatal, and I happen to see this passage I'm going to share with you today, just by coincidence, in Nefesh HaKaim in the morning. So, you know, they appear in different forms. And it's not only, you know, the Hasidim have this, and it has to do with the idea of the Yesodos. But it's also mixed with what we would call medieval science, the Aristotelian science, which believes in the Galgalim, and that the earth is is, is, is surrounded by spheres. There's the Aristotelian um, cosmology. So, without boring you with long words, uh, <clears throat> the Ramban says, So, when we talk about Gehenna, uh, it's not something at the end of time. Uh, Gehenna happens, if I can use this term right away. Now, I shouldn't be using a time word, but the Ramban seems to go with the idea that even in the metaphysical world, God can create a zone that there's some sort of time element. And so, um, when he says, the Gehenna happens right after a person dies, he doesn't mean the instant. He means after he's tried in heaven and all the rest of it. But you don't have to wait to the end of time, where Yom Adin Nera, you know, in the final judgment. If a person was good or bad, unless he was bad, when he dies, immediately a certain judgment takes place. And the judgment is described in very graphic terms by the Ramban. Whatever's left of him, no, it's not the goof, right? But the but the uh, nefesh, the you know ethereal part. It's miskasher It somehow or other returns to and gets attached to the thing that surrounds the earth, composed of fire. So this is the old science from long ago. That there is this composed of four elements. It's uh, fire and water and air and um, afar. Right? And anybody familiar with the Ramban, the beginning of Bracious, knows he's very into this. And the Ramban also believed this. This was the science once upon a time. And uh, they don't mean ash or afar the way you and I understand it now. They mean in its makor, as we shall see. So the Gagal Ho'esh. Is um is this like surrounding? I would say uh, a ball of fire around the Earth, you know, and or maybe the universe, and it's not a fire like you imagine, but it's there, and it's the source of all the fires. Uh, so this is very mystical stuff. And he's explaining this, you know, for the regular reader, without going great details. So, basically, the Neshama gets sort of like sucked. It's menace uh, to this Galgal Ha'esh that surrounds the world, which is not the kind of Ash that you and I are, are, are talking about when we use the word fire. It's the source where all the fire we have comes from. Okay? Does that sound right? It's In, in this world, in this way of thinking, in this Shita... Everything came from somewhere. And uh, in the beginning, it's Yeshmi'ai, but, but, you know, what's the source of it? And the answer would be from these different um, four elements. That's how, these are the elements that God used to create the world. But where did those elements themselves come from? And, you know, it, it, it's going to be along the line of a Gal Gal Ho'esh. Now, I repeat, it's not exactly um, a fire it's not like the earth is surrounded by a fire. Although sometimes the scientists tell you 
there's a big danger of that. But it doesn't mean exactly that way, right? And uh, as we're saying over here, uh, it's it's an H, which is Machivus Kala Olam, as they call it. it. Surrounds the universe. But then it goes to something higher, which is the Nahar Denur from the book of Daniel. God is sitting on a throne and uh, with blazing uh, wheels, and from underneath the throne runs out a river of fire. Now, again, it doesn't mean fire the way we understand it, you know, with like a fire department. Uh, so the soul of the wicked person gets into there, and then that river of fire flows into hell. Right? So, you, Russia, you are burning in some way as we, immediately after death, but it gets worse. And, see, Rambam doesn't have any of this. It's, you know, there's nothing physical. Here, as I said last week, there's an intermediate zone between the physical and the metaphysical. And that's where this seems to happen. And you're in the soul of the wicked person is schlepped in this river of fire, Mamish, like you throw in a little piece of wood and be swept down the river. Uh, okay? And the nefesh of the wicked person, like in a flowing river, rises and falls, sort of in that. And um, and that's where it happens. Now, the Ramban defends himself. Well, let me put it this way. Uh, and all that's happening is it's returning to its original um, ingredients, which is what happens with all items. Uh, something is created as something. If it, it if it dies in the case, it goes back into its original elements. So the goof of a body, for example, goes back to dust, which is where it started by Adam and Eve. Um, so what happens to the neshama? The neshama apparently was taken from um, some huge high... A fiery type thing, not a fire in the way we understand it, but a fire, as he calls it, which which was a primordial. It was actually black choshech. This demeaning Ramban says the choshech al penei tom at the beginning. It's the primordial fire. Uh, and it's not fun. That's the key point. Right? And by returning back to this, it's being um, re- it's being returned to where it originally came from. Now, listen to this. Uh, so you're already suffering. And the item is uh, is in the fire, rising and falling and being knocked around. It's just like other items which return to its original um, uh, uh, components. Here's the spiritual component. And the thing goes like this. It wants to get out of it. And since it's in Nefesh and Neshama, it actually was original. It's very Jewish. The origins of it weren't in a fire. It was in, in Hashem. You know what I mean? It wanted to go to a better place. And the Nefesh of the Rosh is like in a shock. Because I thought I'm going all the way upstairs. And it's time being slept more and more downstairs. And as it's being slept downstairs, I'm using that figuratively, right? Into more and more tortures and things of this nature. It's in desperation, okay? And it wants to return 
to its original source. Well, what's the source in the neshama? The source in the neshama is not a fire. The source in the neshama is, is from Hashem. So it would like to go away from this fire and go upstairs to the Kisya covered or something like that. But it can't. Ovi Avonis Vigasa Hatoim Shevdila Beno Ben Yotro Monosa. But your sins block you. So here's the poor Nishama, like one of these movies that somebody caught in a, in a raging storm, except here's a storm of fire. And you want to get to dry land or you want to get upstairs into heaven. And you really want to go. And you're saying, let me out of here. This is terrible. And your sins block you. And that causes you uh, recognition and anguish. See? So you can scream all you want, and you can desire all you want, and it's only natural for a nefesh and a shama to want this, but it won't happen because your sins block it and, and, and don't... It's like you're weighed down, so to speak, like with heavy weight, so you can't rise to the top of the water. Something like that. Now listen to this. And this set of sins which prevent this it's, that's an unbelievable uh, punishment. In other words, the worst side, or one of the two worst sides, of hell is the anguish. You understand? The anguish. Milvad Sargehenim. In other words, you are burning, and that also hurts. When I say burning, in other words, burning in the sense that, you know, it's, uh, it's something that feels terrible, like tortures. Tortures, uh, pain. But aside from that, you have anguish. And the anguish is, I want to get out of here. Okay? So I'll use my, I'll make up my own terms. You're, imagine something spa- spatial and you get thrown down into boiling oil. But you look up and you see all the way at the top of the chimney is like a, a heavenly place. And as you're boiling in oil and it never stops because you don't die, you know, it's just, just the punishment it goes on and on. You say, let me up there today. I want to climb up to the top of the chimney and get into the good place. And you can't. And that goes on and on. And that mental anguish combines with the physical to really hurt you. So he has like a very vivid uh, picture of the punishment of Gehenna. Right? And this is what he means when he said this is also chorus. Now he has a whole thing later on about chorus. Because chorus has many different meanings. As I think you all know, uh, but karis here means nichrosam yisodo. The person's high of karis in this sense means just what I said before. I would uh, me the neshama. I would like to go back to my my yisod where I started, which is kisi akava, but I can't do it. I'm nichros. I'm cut off from there, and therefore I'm I'm burning and suffering all the time. Plus, added to the anguish that I can't get up there, right? And you know he always brings these gemaras to back it all up. But the bottom line is, that is his uh, image of it. And then in the typical style of the Ramban, you know, he brings from uh, Elisha Menavuya, and this one, and that one, all these sorts of, uh, you know, Gemars and Midrashim, which uh, indicate that this all happens, how should I put it, um, after death. So, uh, Gehenna is not a figurative sort of thing. It does exist. Not perhaps in the physical way that I just described it, because that he agrees is not, but also not in the spirit, uh, in the philosophical way of just expressing allegorically something negative. It's much more vivid than that. 
And uh, that's typical of the Ramban, as far as I'm concerned. And very typical, because uh, you take the Gemaras a lot more s- seriously, even though you don't hold them lit- to be literal. You get it? You don't hold them to be liberal, li- literal. Okay? Uh, and, of course, the idea goes that there's so and so many um, uh, wicked people, and there's so and some are punished for a longer time, and some for a shorter time, and, and all that. But um, as he says over here, uh, how should I put it? Uh, if you if you're able to get out of it after a while, so you did, and that's like the Gemara in Rosh Hashanah. Talk about in a second, which we're all familiar with, which you know in uh, Zion, wherever it is in the first pack of Rosh Hashanah, where they talk about the three. The, you know, the three books on, on Rosh Hashanah Kippur. And then they also talk about, you know, the Rosh Hashanah rising and falling and this and that and the other. And uh, as he uh, as he puts it over here, that uh, uh, well, hold on, let me make this point first. Okay? Let me make this point first. Uh, the I know it's difficult, at least is, as far as I'm concerned, uh, but his ideas are, you know, vivid. Let's put it this way. And to him, the chorus involves the Avnanaha and the Shama, you know, the, the complete destruction over there. Now, the Gehenna, he argues, uh, as they say, is not something for long term. It happens right after death, before the, the Din HaGodol HaGibro and Nero. And he says, HaLamandu Sharshoim Miyakesh HaMesim Nashosim Nidonaz Gehenna Kfiyaroilahem that the Rishayim, you know, immediately go to their uh, punishment, okay? And this is the opinion of a from Jew, of anyone who holds the holds fast to the opinions of Chazal, which of course he would say the Rambam is not doing, and also Ma'amim B'Kabalosam, and believes in their Kabbalah, and doesn't give it an allegorical interpretation. Fi'im Mashe Parashnu, and the way I explained it, Lo Yachik Devrem Echmi Balein. Any smart person, and even intellectual, will be moted to my way. El Hamishta Bishmahemo Spaker. Unless somebody is just messed up in his thinking, or he's anti from. He's Mispaker. He's like an atheist or something like that, right? So you have this very vivid uh, kind of image. And then he says that um, you also have the Indian of Karis. Now the Karis can express itself in uh, one of several ways. And here he gets too detailed for me to go into because Stalin Ram is very up Kapachkovit, but he basically has the idea of three uh, three types of Karis. You have the Karis of Goof, you have the Karis of Nefesh, you have the Karis of the Goof and the Nefesh. You see what I'm saying? And then he admits that there's other kind of things also, and you got to work out the curse with um, with Misi uh, Bidei Shamayim. So he's trying to have a grand scheme that will cover all the different types of Chazal. Comes out to me that's confusing. The the uh, what do you call it? The uh, uh, Gehenna part is not so confusing. It's so unusual. It's not so confusing. <clears throat> One thing he does agree with with the Rambam. And that's, I think, very interesting, and maybe it's hope for some people. And that is that uh, 
The worst punishments are reserved. The karis, which is not the karis that you cease to exist, but the karis that you cut off from your source and you are in pain and, and goes on and on and on, uh, as the Gemara puts it, mainly seem to be for hashkafa type things. And apikores, somebody doesn't believe in tchis hamesem, kofor uh, be'ikor, things of that nature. It's just intellectual sins. Okay? Um, but on the other hand, he admits that sometimes, you know, um, let's put it this way, even people with intellectual sins can, after a period in purgatory, get out of it. And he's got to explain all of that. So, what we're going to in, um, by the way, that's just very interesting that, you know, uh, even a person who had terrible hashkafas doesn't mean automatically that they're condemned forever. Even though the Gemara seems to be doing that. You know, like I say, it says a cover baker and there's a cover Hamesim and Malchitosan uh, and all these kind of things that the Ram just lists off in a listing form. He uh, goes into much greater detail, uh, as he puts over here, but he does not agree with the Rambam that, uh, you know, Gehenim and Kar simply means you cease to exist. Because as he puts over there, then the sinner is very lucky. Okay? That is lush and was very vivid. Uh, hold on for a second. Yeah, here it is. Uh, he's, like I say, taking strong exception to the notion that Kar simply means you know, the soul ceases to, to exist, because then Hitler gets off scot-free, as I said. There's no such thing as somebody doing wicked things and then getting off without without punishment. It does not mean, like the Rambam says, that the person dies and just ceases to exist. His nisham is never, it just ceases to exist, as is the case with an animal. Okay, animal doesn't have a soul like that, so when it dies, it just ceases to exist. It's over. The dog died, the lights have turned out. That's all. Okay, but not with a human being whose neshama is not that of a behemoth, but as a special human neshama. And if he told if the wicked person would simply disintegrate into its original elements and cease to exist, then it would really be lucky. Hitler would have gotten away with murder. Uh, you know, he did all the bad things. Then he died and he ceased to exist. Uh, so there's nothing to punish. He would have gotten away with it. You see? What? He didn't get invited into the party? Big deal. But he, what we really worried about is you don't get punished the way the Ramban described before, that you burn or you're slept in a fire and you scream to get out and you never get out and that sort of thing. So the union of physical pain and mental anguish uh, plays a major role in the uh, Ramban's idea of Gehenna. I would just simply point out that uh, he's the first one I know to speak in the mental terms, psychological terms. Uh, psychological anguish, as we know today, uh, is terrible. People, let's say, for example, have the clinical depression or things like this. Or who have these kind of nightmares and you know they walk, walk around uh, in paranoia and terror. I mean, I'm not a, a shrink, but uh, they'll tell you better than me that there's certain types of psychological, you know, uh, negative things that, that are like worse than almost anything. Uh, and that is part of the Gehenna. See, that, that, that to me, 
That's the interesting finish of the uh, Ramban. It doesn't have to be that you boil somebody alive in oil. Uh, the anguish that he has of trying to get out of there and go back to where he wants to go and to his original source, and it's the natural teva of the Neshama to want to do that, and it sees that it can't do that, on and on and on, provides it with a tremendous um, mental anguish, which is excruciatingly painful, without um, a finger being laid on the person, or in this case, without a finger or fire being laid on the neshama. So what we're saying is like this, you can torture somebody mentally without touching them, and you cause them much more tsar, and somebody goes and beats them up, okay? Now, I'm not in favor of both either, but I'm just saying, one guy beats the other guy up, uh, even torture, that's terrible, you know, nobody wants that. But if you know what you're doing in the anguish side, uh, you can you can cause them unbelievable tsar without actually laying a finger on them. To my mind, that's very tsukapast for a post-life kind of thing. Because the mental, the intellectual, seems to partake of the metaphysical world. And that, I think, is, is something, as, I, as far as I can recall, the Ramb does not discuss. This is, I find, very interesting and useful, uh, because the Ramban here does discuss it. Um, all right, we'll continue this next time, as I said before. I want to thank you always, uh, Mishpacha Savansky, for uh, sponsoring the series. And with this, uh, for now, I wish you a good weekend. Perhaps a good Shabbos.